Bomber describes the real-life manhunt for a serial bomber. The events are sometimes graphic and intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Last time on Bomber. Well, going into that weekend, there hadn't been a bombing since the Monday. Why is that? What's what's going on? I was at a at, at a family dinner at a, at a local restaurant and got the call. It was one of my assistant chiefs, and they just told me that we've now had another bomb go off and that we did have victims that were hurt. This week, investigators are back to square one as the bomber unleashes a new wave of terror across Austin. This is a jump in sophistication. This is a jump in lethality. He's raising his game. He's taking it to another level. I'm Jason Puckett, and this is Bomber. Into the flames, I laid you down. Of course, my heart was breaking now. The bomb that exploded in Austin, Texas, the night of Sunday, March 18, 2018, wasn't like the three before it. It wasn't wrapped in a box and placed on someone's front steps in the early morning hours. It didn't explode when the unsuspecting victim opened the box. This one was different. KVU and Austin American Statesman reporter Tony Plahetsky was living inside the Austin bombing story, following leads, talking to sources. The morning of the fourth bombing, Tony was just starting his day off at home, but something was nagging at him. This is going to sound maybe a little strange to tell people, but that Sunday morning, I just had a strange sense that something could happen that day. But the day passed, and Tony didn't get any calls. Maybe the nagging feeling was just that, a feeling. Until Sunday night, just after 8.30. And I can remember looking at my phone and seeing that my phone was going off and looking and realizing that someone was alerting me that there had been a fourth bombing. ATF Special Agent Fred Milanowski was back home in Houston when he got the call. Literally sat on the couch and put my arm around my wife and said, you know, nice to sit down, and my phone started going off. Um, and it was the my ASAC in San Antonio saying we have another device. In Austin, Interim Police Chief Brian Manley was out for a family dinner. His phone started ringing. And back at his hotel, ATS Special Agent in Charge Chris Combs also got a call. We knew that we had uh, at least two injured is what my initial call was. And and the thought of frustration of what do we got to do to get in front of this? We can't continue to have bombs going off in Austin. Combs got dressed and headed straight to the scene. So did Brian Manley. And KVU's Tony Plahetsky, who started the day with a weird feeling that something might happen, jumped off the couch and headed to work. And that's when it became clear that two men had been injured in a blast in southwest Austin. KVU reporters got the address of the blast and headed straight to the scene. We quickly learned what had happened, and we learned the disturbing details. Two young men were walking near the road in a neighborhood in southwest Austin. They are in stable and good condition right now, but they did receive some significant injuries. A tripwire caused a device to explode. Moving this from what investigators thought was a targeted attack to a more random one. This particular explosive device relied upon a tripwire. So it was a jump in lethality. It was a jump in randomness. And it really was a jump in escalating the fear of the entire community and not just certain segments of the community who maybe live in a particular sector of our city. A tripwire strung between two neighborhood yard signs with something like a fishing line, almost invisible. 
Two men in their 20s were walking their bikes along the sidewalk when they set it off. It was not a bomb left on someone's doorstep, not even a hint of a targeted attack. Chris Combs. It could have very easily been two eight-year-old children walking down the sidewalk last night and hit this device. And that's very, very concerning. It appeared to be that this was a booby trap device. Um, and so there were some concerns, uh, rightfully so, about processing the scene that night in the dark. Um, so Texas DPS offered up uh, a significant number of troopers. And so we were able to use the troopers there to lock that scene mm -hmm. down and not process a scene that night um, so that we could do it at first light. With the crime scene secured and residents told to stay in their homes and shelter in place, investigators waited for the sun to come up on the crime scene. They had time to consider where things stood. Brian Manley. What bomb number four did is it, it changed the, some of the working theories that we were looking at in that being a bomb with a trip wire just randomly placed on a sidewalk in a neighborhood it demonstrated that at, le at least for that bomb, there was not an, a, an intended victim. That one was randomly placed, and anyone that happened upon it would have been the victim. So that was interesting, and it was also placed in West Austin. And so we still didn't, again, rule out terrorism. We did not rule out hate because we were left without any other motives. But that one showed the... Um, the propensity for ultimately who turned out to be the bomber to uh, attack just random victims. This is pretty random now. You know, he's not picking his targets for any particular reason. Um, this is on the way other side of town. He puts it at a trailhead. God forbid if a five or six year old um, would have tripped over that trip wire and, you know, we went, might have had another fatality. So while the first three bombs exploded in East Austin in predominantly minority neighborhoods, the fourth bomb was on the west side of town in a largely white community. Unless they were dealing with a copycat, the notion the bomber was targeting minorities seemed to be out the window. Special agent in charge, Chris Combs. So I know originally there was a lot of questions and concern in the community. Why wasn't this designated a hate crime? Because the first two victims were African-American. There's no question we looked at that deeply. We had our civil rights team up there looking at it but we didn't see that there was connections. As the sun rose in Austin, Monday morning, March 19th, we watched from a distance as investigators started picking through the evidence. It was a familiar scene by now, another slow, painstaking slog through shrapnel and tiny fragments. And we made some decisions about how we were gonna uh, address this, this scene on this day. Um, again, ATF's national response team um, was uh, tasked with processing that scene, and that evidence was going to go um, back up to Washington to the ATF National Laboratory with all the rest of the evidence. Because, you know, you, you want the evidence to go to all one place so that lab technicians are seeing the same thing that we're seeing in the field, that this is our same bomber. Monday morning, we did a press conference from the scene, and, and we talked about this is a jump in sophistication. This is a jump in lethality. And that concerned us greatly. So that was a whole nother issue, is he's raising his game, he's taking it to another level, which again, just made it even more important 
that we get in front of this and figure this out quickly. We just don't know enough. And what we have seen now is a significant change from what appeared to be three very targeted attacks to what was last night an attack that would have passed, that would have hit any, a random victim that happened to walk by. So we've definitely seen a change. The bomb exploded near a trailhead in a neighborhood known as Travis Country. The street was Donsong Road. That Monday morning, residents were still being told to stay inside. Travis Country is the only neighborhood that is affected, and Travis Country is the neighborhood that we want to have people stay sheltered in place in their residences until 2 p.m. this afternoon or until we advise further. Reporters and news teams from around the country were heading to Austin that Monday morning if they weren't already on the ground. To some, it seemed like police were paying more attention to the case now that it was on the west side of town, but that wasn't the case, according to Fred Milanowski. By Monday morning, a massive response by the media. So I'm sure um, from the community, it looked like all of a sudden there was more attention on that, but that was really just coincidence that um, it happened at all the same time when it, after a press conference that we had and after South by Southwest got over and the media were still lingering around town and then this device goes off. And so that is when the media really took off and really started paying attention and the national media really started paying attention. ABC News lead investigative reporter Josh Margolin had been following the case from New York, but after the fourth explosion, he quickly boarded a flight to Austin. Josh had covered a string of large-scale attacks in recent years, but Austin was different. You know, I've spent a lot of time talking to analysts and investigators over the course of my career, and I have learned a lot about crime and and law enforcement investigations. And it's not any better when you understand why something has happened, but it somehow feels understandable. Humans want to know the why. So in in San Bernardino, we were able to know that there was a, a radical ideology and radicalization that had overtaken these people, and that explained why they had committed this mass murder. We knew that in Boston there was a why associated with it. In Las Vegas and in Austin, the randomness to me is terrifying. Residents in the Travis Country area were allowed back on the street, but no one felt safe. KV reporter, Jay Wallace. There was a, a, a ban of keeping people outside their homes. Well, police, they were telling people to stay inside their homes until 10 a.m. this morning for their safety as they wanted to wait till the sun could come up and they could start investigating more thoroughly with the sunlight. And as we started to talk to people just in the past hour, there's genuine shock and just the, the people that are scared about this area that it happened in this neighborhood. We even spoke to one man who was walking with his wife just 45 minutes before that explosion reportedly happened. We walked right past that area about quarter to eight. It's, it's one of those things that, well, that stuff just happens elsewhere because it's very quiet. Yeah. Lots of families, some retired people, professional people, you know, but it's a pretty quiet neighborhood. So yeah, it's scary. It could have been a little kid. It could have been somebody walking their dog. I mean, that, that little spot of street is heavily trafficked all the time. Oh, my husband's you know, saying, don't take your dog on a walk. Don't take your baby on a walk. Don't really leave the house until we know that it's safe. Before this, we had an idea that it might be in East Austin, just centered perhaps against some people. Now it's almost like a random occurrence. You know, I told the FBI and the ATF guy, you need to find somebody. Of course, they know this, but um, 
this is just too strange. Uh, it's not a good way to live. It makes you very nervous. To have something so scary come to my front door, it kind of is eye-opening. The president of downtown Austin's Old Neighborhood Association could feel the anxiety. All of these bombings generate a level of insecurity in uh, our neighborhood and I would suspect uh, all over Austin. Uh, unfortunately, we have to be, as citizens and residents, just very careful. The warnings from police about opening packages continued, but now the list of items to look out for was growing. Be on the lookout of anything suspicious like out-of-place backpacks, suitcases, and fish wires. And if they see something, to call 911 immediately. And remember, if you come across any package, any backpack, anything that looks suspicious, call 911. Spring break had just ended for a lot of people. That Monday morning, schools in Austin were also on alert. Today was the first day back at school for AISD students, like the kids here at Pillow Elementary School since spring break was last week. And after yesterday's fourth explosion, district administrators say they know there is tension and they want to calm fears. So they sent home an email this afternoon letting parents know exactly what faculty and staff are doing. They are looking for anything out of the ordinary, conducting perimeter checks inside and outside of buildings, looking for anything suspicious, they're also carefully going through the mail. The thought of sending your child off to school after a tripwire set off an explosion in a nearby neighborhood must have been unthinkable to some parents. Brian Manley and Austin Mayor Steve Adler appeared on ABC's Good Morning America. I know you think the suspect is highly skilled because they've been able to move these packages, these bombs, without setting them off. What do the kind of bombs tell you about the suspect you're dealing with? And do you know anything about who might be behind this? At this point, we don't have any specifics leading us to one suspect, and that's why we're pushing the message out that we need every tip, every piece of information. However inconsequential you may think it is, that may be the one piece of evidence that we need. If this explosion last night was the result of a bomb that was utilizing tripwire technology, that is showing a different level of skill above what we were already concerned that this suspect or suspects may possess. Back in Austin, Mayor Adler joined us in the KVU studios. Mr. Mayor, let's start with this. What are city leaders doing to make sure people in Austin are safe? Well, we're trying to, to, to get word out as best we can mm -hmm. uh, so that folks know what's going on. Uh, we're telling people at this point, uh, not only don't touch any packages that might be delivered, but really just don't go uh, and touch anything that looks suspicious or out of place. The fact that the new device was a tripwire and the MO had changed was exactly why Austin police hadn't shared details about the first three bombs. This device in Travis County being placed out in open space, in Travis Country, out in open space with a tripwire, that opened it up to anyone who happened to come by and activate that tripwire would have been the victim. We were intentionally non-descriptive when we would put out the descriptions of these devices. Um, and, and it was for this very reason that we knew all along the devices could change. And that's why we didn't describe the box and the package that those first three devices were contained within because we didn't want to give a false sense of security that that was the only thing as a community we needed to be worried about. We've now seen that evolution to different types of devices. Austin wasn't the only town in Texas on edge. 80 miles away in San Antonio, the police chief put out a warning for residents there. So last night, as you all know, there was another explosion in, uh, in the city of Austin. This, uh, this explosion occurred at a trailhead in a rather affluent part of the city. Uh, I won't go into details about how exactly it was set up, but, it, but the tripwire occurred at a trailhead. 
anybody using trailheads needs to be cautious. We are clearly dealing with what we expect to be a serial bomber at this point, based on the similarities between now what is the fourth device. The latest explosion taking a different approach. With this tripwire, this changes things. It's more sophisticated. It's not targeted to individuals. More special agents canvassing the city, looking for clues and asking for your help. This makes four explosions in 16 days, but this time in the southwest part of the city. As we continue to report on the bombings, Police, in private and behind closed doors, were dealing with a major blow to the investigation. And so Monday morning at 7 a.m. we start processing the scene. We were literally back to square one. You might remember, police had their eye on a few persons of interest. They'd been trailing two men 24-7. So when that fourth bomb exploded and they were nowhere near the blast, police knew they were following the wrong men. It became apparent that when bomb number four took place, that these were not the individuals responsible because we could account for where they were at that time. We were pretty convinced on Monday that er everybody we had as a suspect had nothing to do with, with Sunday night. The realization that their persons of interest were no longer possible suspects was a blow to everyone investigating. Absolutely. Whenever you come across that piece of information or that person of interest, you're absolutely hopeful because you want to put a stop to the violence that's being carried out on your city and you know that the team is working as hard as they can and as fast as they can. And to see that, you know, evaporate when we had bomb number four go off and we could account for the whereabouts of those persons of interest, there is a moment of defeat. But that moment of defeat didn't last long. We were always 100% dedicated to this case, but now it's pull out all stops. What do we need? We brought in at that point, that morning, we brought in a second national response team. We brought in 10 extra dogs. Um, you know, you got to remember Austin Police Department is responding to all kinds of suspicious package calls. And so they need, you know, canines to, to help them out, help clear those packages. Um, so it's, it's anything we needed, we had access to uh, at that point. We ended up bringing in over 600 FBI personnel to focus just on this, to try to get us ahead. And, and again, the, the motto at the command post was, we cannot let this turn into another Eric Rudolph. We have got to get in front of this or a Unabomber. We want this to be solved very quickly. But FBI Special Agent in Charge Chris Combs was fully aware the bomber had already been successful in four bombings, and they still didn't have much to go on. I hate to commend a bomber, but he, he was very good at what he was doing, which is why our job was so hard. Frankly, there weren't a lot of clues. We were expending huge amounts of resources trying to figure out anything that could help us break the case. And even though they could rule out the men they'd been following nonstop, they couldn't rule out a copycat crime. Uh, the bomb was different. Pieces of it were different. It was the first time we had a tripwire versus a package that was delivered to somebody's house. So you're, you're going after the same train that you were before, but you also have to think, hey, could th this is a different device. Could this be somebody who's copycat, somebody who's jumping in on this? And really, you have to start all over again. And again, investigators tried to use the media to make a connection with the bomber. I think it's important if the bomber could talk to us and we could get a dialogue, we could understand what's the grievance, what's brought the bomber to where we are today and, and why are we doing this? And it's very random in nature. But they weren't getting any response. No cryptic messages. Whoever was spreading terror throughout Austin didn't seem to have a message or an agenda or at least wasn't sharing it yet. We continued our work talking to sources, to police, sharing warnings with the residents of Austin, anything we could do to cover the case. 
Hundreds of FBI investigators as well as ATF agents, state and federal bomb squads are on the ground in Austin tonight. And Governor Greg Abbott is announcing emergency funding to purchase X-ray systems for bomb detection. We saw FBI ATF agents going door to door in this Travis Country neighborhood looking for clues, trying to get surveillance video from people at home afraid to leave. Once again, we brought in our own local Austin security experts like Fred Burton. If in fact it is the same bomber, then in essence what you have here is a very crafty individual that uh, has sequenced this with a mindset with an effort to throw the investigators off. In this case, with a tripwire, that would be like a piece of wire or a piece of string or maybe a piece of fishing line that has been used that you would run into and pull the device that would set off the actual firing train. We also wondered if the placement of the bombs were random or if there was some pattern to the explosions. If you look at a map at the sequence of these events, it appears that the bomber, if it's the same person, is looping around the city. So you can almost project from a surveillance perspective as to where he might likely strike again. And it is a he, and it is a person that's in our community. This person knows Austin. Mayor Steve Adler stopped by the station to talk about what was going on in Austin. I think it's scary. Uh, these are pretty horrific events. Austin is a, is a safe community. Uh, so horrific events like this uh, are, are, are surreal. Surreal, that's a good word for it. I think I've used it before now, but it does describe how we felt. How parents felt when they said goodbye to children heading to school. How husbands and wives felt when they left for work. It was all surreal. It was interesting because as law enforcement officers, we all have families too. And many of us were spending countless hours at work trying to, you know, handle what was happening. But yet we're having to give the same safety messages to our families to tell them, hey, be on the lookout for this, watch out for this, and you're not there to, to be with your family in that moment. It had been another long, frustrating day for everyone in Austin. That night, Fred Milanowski, the ATF's man in charge, was back at his hotel outside of Austin. You know, get into bed probably at 10 o'clock, and shortly after midnight, my phone's going off again. Um, and it's my supervisor in San Antonio. He said, you know, we have another device that just went off at the FedEx facility in Shirts, Texas. I'm lifting my head off the pillow thinking, oh my goodness, I got to get a whole team who's worked just as hard all day long um, out to that facility. Next time on Bomber. We don't want to give away trade secrets, but what, what's important to know is that every lead leads you to more leads. My concern was, are we 100% sure? That was my first thought. Are we 100% sure this is our guy? You know that this is an individual who is willing to kill innocent people, who is willing to kill random people, but this is about as dangerous as it gets. Into the flames, I laid you down. Bomber is a production of Vault Studios and KB. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and other major listening platforms. You can also listen and learn more at bomberpodcast.com. Our executive producer is Will Johnson. My thanks to the people of Austin, my colleagues at KVU, federal investigators, and the men and women of the Austin Police Department. Join us next week for Bomber Part 5. <laughs>